Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. I'm a helicopter parent, and my fish is a jet. Just like my Midwestern ancestors, I'm blessed with high anxiety and high cholesterol. <laughs> oh my god, you guys. You guys, it's Andy's girls. Oh, he's swimming now. It's episode 265, and I think I'm dying, which gives me another thing I have in common with my fish. Hold on. <laughs> I just need to check. Oh, my God. I'll be right back. Okay. He just laughed. <laughs> um, this will be a fun edit. It's Andy's Girls. It's episode whatever. I don't care. I was on a work call, and PK stopped breathing. And... I can't describe to you, parents, you get me, um, the beta fish that I've had for roughly three weeks and your like literal children, you'll understand this conundrum of like, do I end the work call to save my animal's life? Except it's not like I can give him CPR. It's just, I literally was screaming at the bull, choose life. I was on a work call and I had at one point, to, I had stopped at one point and said, I'm so sorry. I think my fish is dying and he's, t- he's swimming now I cannot stop staring at him he's doing the thing where he looks like he's dying again where you can see the inside of his body anyway um so excited to record tonight (laughs) (sighs) it could be a shiva we're gonna see how this plays out I'm just in time for Hanukkah I'm gonna teach some ags some Jewish terms that have to do with the morning process um light a yurt site we're ready to go um Listen, I'm so excited to talk about other things uh, unrelated to the um, 
potential death of my fish who is doing the choking thing again yes yet again while we record uh and i'm so excited to have a guest back who is um i guess gonna be a witness for the authorities when the manhattan district attorney checks in to see what went wrong uh you know him as content manager of pop culture at betches media and host of the pop alarm podcast and also the podcast mentioned it all he also ps guys like he doesn't have enough stuff on his plate as the creator of your favorite instagram account bravo by betches welcome back to pk's hopeful not shiva dylan hafer dylan how are you i am doing well i don't have any children or pets so i'm feeling pretty good about that decision right now um and i'm hoping that Mm. our next you know however many minutes of conversation can uh maybe four (laughs) take your mind off of what's happening in the bowl i can't i just have to tell say yet again and like the way that today you know there was going to be a nice little break for (laughs) auntie sarah over here in between the call and the recording and that did not work out i went from being on a call and not and paying full attention, by the way, in case any of the people on the call are listening. I really was, but also like watching my fish maybe die and then went straight into recording. And I think that's going to be the fun energy that we're all going to are we Are we in the clawfish right now? What's the, I, I don't think I've recorded with you since, you know, the new, the newness. Well, um, fun fact for you, the newness has not yet begun because the uh, materials for the Clawfish order have been delayed in transit okay. twice now. Little thing that we like to call the, the supply, supply cha- chain. I was going to go for a supply chain tagline and then I just couldn't, I couldn't like do the mental math of how to make that usable. But yeah, the supply chain, man. Did you know, I, I don't, I don't, don't remember if I told you this, I... A couple weeks ago, had tickets to the first performance of an off-Broadway show, and then the performance got canceled because of the supply chain. <laughs> like, okay, that I haven't. I've heard of a lot of people in my position with furniture, but what? How does that? I was don't. An actor I don't being know. Loaded onto a crate. I what don't happens? know the details other than I had a ticket for Friday evening, and I believe on Thursday I got an email. <laughs> That Friday evening's performance was canceled because of the supply chain. Um, If you work at Atlantic Theater Company and you want to give me a little more background on what that means, feel free to slide into my DMs. But no, I it was not a big deal. They pushed back their opening one, by one day. I was able to uh, very easily reschedule my ticket for later that same weekend. Um, but it was... I was surprised uh, to hear that the supply chain was the reason for a performance of a play getting canceled. I mean, you and I both went to school for theater. I'm trying to rack my head being like, (laughs) there's no, the set would be, it's not, it's not a set piece or production. I was just thinking, you know, maybe they ordered a a prop on Amazon or like the program shipment was, you know, maybe they didn't have, um... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they they put they gave us little stickers once they checked our vaccine thing. Maybe the stickers were delayed. I don't know. It was a lovely experience when I did when I did attend, but I'm I'm still curious about the cancellation. That reminds me of the time I was producing a benefit off Broadway, and the assistant director was in charge of like the programs and had suggested oh I'm gonna delay doing the programs because I'm like not feeling well until later the night the night before the show and I was like how about you do them now so he did them 
we said good night, shows the next day, and then I hear from his friends or something that he was on his way to a hospital. They didn't know which one. He didn't have his phone on him, but he had the programs. So I spent the night before this musical theater cabaret that I was executive producing walking because I had no money from hospital to hospital in New York City to make sure that this person was okay talking to his parents to be like okay your child uh your I mean grown child but your child is um in a hospital somewhere and I don't know what's going on but I will find him and also P.S. maybe find those programs and I was able to track this person down he had a a burst appendix or a pre- burst appendix and i think brought the programs with him to the er so i met him okay connected him with his parents and got my programs printed and in fine order and then i went to sleep at like four in the morning did you see did you see coach shah at the hospital (laughs) was there an internal bleeding ward (laughs) you know here's my question to you dylan hafer on this wild journey that will be today's episode this wild and and raucous ride which housewife on salt lake city responded in a way that you think you would respond to most did you feel like we have a uh, we have the full spectrum like like who did i who did i identify with the most in that episode yeah that's a better way yeah i'm new to words who did you identify (laughs) no i'm just speaking because um, we had so many hmm. we had a full spectrum of responses and by the way guys i mean to the you know in case you missed salt lake city i don't know even how that would be possible but to this historic episode of of the aftermath of jen's um Rest. Shah rest. Excuse me. Apologies. Apologies to the um, to the language we speak. Misuse of the word arrest. I um on my own podcast early, which I recorded earlier today. At one point, we were making shocking puns, so it's really too much. I hate that. Um, I hate. That I rhymed veil with jail. That. You know, too much. Um. Okay. I think aside from the theater of calling six attorneys and all of that, I think the emotions I related most to Lisa, I think, because what I felt like she really had kind of a journey throughout the day emotionally. And of Mm. course, physically on the bus. Um, But, you know, I felt like she was conflicted in a way that felt, authentic because obviously Jen is somebody that is in their friend group. They all have varying, you know, friendships with her, but she was, Mm -hmm. she did seem shocked appropriately, I think by the events. Um, She was upset a little bit, you know, like when she was calling, I believe the first lawyer or maybe calling her husband, she was like getting a little emotional on the phone. I thought, you know, Mm -hmm. it is true. I mean, the fact, no matter how you feel about Jen, when you're on the bus and there's a SWAT team outside, like that's a pretty heightened emotional experience. Um, and then, you know, she kind of was pretty quickly talking about how she wasn't, you know, she, it wasn't crazy that there was something a little off with Jen's business, all of this stuff. I felt like she had a range of emotions that was, or reactions that was like, relatable to me whereas I think Mm -hmm. I 
as much as I enjoyed Meredith's performance last night, I love, I'm loving Meredith. <laughs> I think she's having a great season. The fact that she couldn't even muster a little bit of like pretending to be surprised was a little weird to me. Like the new, even if you knew that Jen maybe was doing something uncouth, the news that the SWAT team stormed the beauty lab parking lot should be surprising to you. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Yeah. That was the thing where I was like, okay, well, if you felt like she was, a piece of shit and you knew about this thing that happened at your boutique and whatever else even if you knew that she was also under investigation and maybe that's because as we saw in the teaser for next week's trailer she like maybe hired a private detective or something else the simple fact that this happened in front of your cast mates your fellow you know friends in front and behind the camera wouldn't that be a shock that like Homeland Security, I hear Homeland Security, I'm like, oh my God. And the NYPD, isn't that not a shocking event? I would be personally, if I were Meredith or Mary, I would be upset that I was not there simply because I need, I, I want the drama. Like, <laughs> like I would have been like, fuck, why did I fly private if I was Mary? Um <laughs> I do. I also really enjoy um, how Jenny just has like so little skin in the game at this point because she's just on the bus like, can someone send me the article? Does anybody want the snacks? Wow, this is crazy. What did she what was her business supposed to be? What? Okay, like I, I, I enjoyed watching her in that really emotionally charged environment just kind of have no emotional connection to what was going on i mean not only was it no emotional connection it was like it's no big deal it's not like she's you know she'll be charged or whatever but we don't know anything yet like let's get go there was a way that she was criticizing the other women for having an emotional reaction that i found surprising but like remarkable i was like oh this is (laughs) fascinating the way that she's just like whatever like let's go you know she's already been they're arresting her she's been arrested like let's get the car on the road i know we got six hours why are you crying about her going to jail it's just a charge and it's like i mean she's not getting charged for no reason as mary says if the fbi is involved there's there's facts think before we really deep dive this even though we're 30 percent in do you think that was one of the top five best episodes of all time as andrew cohen himself Um, predicted it would be best is such a hard Mm. you know label because i think so many episodes of housewives and of you know tv in general are good for so many different reasons and so it's hard to just I think the five best episodes would probably vary a lot based on who you ask because, you know, some people love the most intense drama possible. And I think on mm-hmm. that account, I would say last night's episode was, or this week's, you know, top 10 maybe. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to really think through all of the moments and rank them. I do think it was one of the most thrilling episodes maybe because it was mm. so the way it was sort of minute by minute and you were they were 
they were tracking these women on the bus. They're like, 115, Thistle, Utah. And they're just like further on the bus than they were before. (laughs) It felt, I compared it to an episode of 24 where it's like, it feels like there's like Mm. a clock running down and you have, I don't know. Um, But I think the format of the episode and just kind of the nature of how things played out where they were stuck on the bus for six hours and we watched them throughout the day get all of these updates and then come together in the house in Vail and sort of that juxtaposed with the footage of Jen leaving the courthouse. I thought it was, like I said, one of the most thrilling and I think one of the most, I think the interestingly constructed episodes just and I mean obviously I think the editors did a great job with it but they also got really lucky in sort of how these events unfolded because very rarely do you have these women just like trapped in a setting like that bus for six hours and you know when they do usually it's like okay we get some footage of them like dancing on a pole or you know eating or drinking or whatever but like to have so much happening while they're on the bus it's like usually that's like a throwaway scene so I think it was a great episode but I think five best is a little bit of a hard label to assign I don't know yeah no I totally agree with you there and I also think you know there's so often scenes that we see where oh, they're, these women are just finding out about Erica's divorce and the cameras happen to be there and Dorit's in her dressing room and Kyle's wherever and they meet up over FaceTime or Zoom and they get to unpack this news and it just feels incredibly <laughs> produced. It feels like very right. because we all know that they didn't find that out at that moment. Like we all know right. judging the laws of like science or whatever, it was impossible at that time. Or we just know because we know that this is not actually the first time that they've heard this. And in this situation, aside from the Meredith, the question marks around, did Meredith know before this or was she sus- generally suspicious about Jen um, and so this was less surprising. We got to see the moment that these women and production mm-hmm. are surprised by an impending act and then find out alongside them the reason why the FBI was in Heather's parking lot. I mean, that is remarkable. I would call it remarkable television in the fact that this is very real their their reactions are very real watching heather crying with her head in whitney's lap while whitney explains that she thought she just (laughs) assumed jen had a sugar daddy it's like these i think you're totally right about when we get those scenes of them it's like lisa did you see the article i'm sending it to you right now like that kind of thing it always Mm -hmm. you know they're not just filming at every woman's house on a random Wednesday when the article drops. The The chances of that are so slim. But in this episode, to know for sure that we're not seeing sort of like a production narrative of reconstructing how they found out, like all of this information is happening in real time from when Jen first gets that call and leaves to when they arrive in Vail there's no kind of so much of the time on these shows you can either take it at face value or you can really try and pick apart 
okay, production used that footage and, you know, cut it together to sort of present Mm -hmm. the narrative. And I feel like with this episode, the narrative is really simple because they're just on the bus for six hours and all of this information is just coming at them. Um, So I think that's kind of why it stands out so much, aside from the fact, obviously, that the arrest and stuff itself is, you know, shocking. But, like, we don't have very many episodes of Housewives where it really feels like we're watching something happen in real time like that. And, I mean, there were many different kinds of reveals and things I didn't anticipate. Like, I didn't anticipate Heather saying you know, should I text her to give her a head start? Like if I was being hunted by the police, I would want someone to give me a head start. Heather's reactions to things were so fascinating because there's a level of naivete that she exhibited repeatedly that was just honestly really interesting. It was interesting to see her try to grapple with the idea that however unsavory she thought her friend's business practices were something much bigger and badder was taking place and she couldn't figure out how that connected to her fun friend Jen did you watch the after show today okay so I was going to but then PK was dying and my call okay, went okay. long no, and no I truly problem. had the time blocked no problem I didn't I, yeah. didn't, I don't I'm not like a big after show watcher, but there I did see. I love the after show. I know I should. Yeah. I saw there was one clip that was I saw I think on somebody posted it, whatever. Um where Jen is basically explaining what happened after she left Beauty Lab. And wait a second. Wait a second. Jen is participating in the after show? I... Jennifer Shaw? Um, based on the video. Jennifer middle name, maiden name Shaw is on the after show. That is, that's like Erica being a participant on the Beverly Hills after show, which she of course absolutely was not. Yes. Okay. She's on the after show. Um, this clip was posted. Oh my God, I want to die. This specific clip was posted on Twitter by at Jay's reality blog. Um, so Jen explains that. (laughs) So. So this is the official, this is the official, um, you know, Shaw (laughs) statement. I can't, I can't. Okay, keep going. So she, according to Jen, the phone call that she got at Beauty Lab did not tip her off that the feds were coming. She doesn't really explain what it did tell her. You know, obviously somebody called her away. But she says that she did not know the feds were coming. Instead, she says that after she left, she got a phone call from a New York number. She picked it up and it was, in fact, some New York law enforcement person calling to make sure she was okay. And she says that her thought process was that um, she has apparently a restraining order against somebody in New York And that she says at one point they had flown to Utah and there were like violent threats against her. I don't know all the details. Who knows if this is true? But according to Jen, she did. She still on this phone call didn't think that she was, you know, being hunted down because 
it would make sense for New York to be checking on her because of this restraining order. So she says how she truly found out that the feds were coming for her was Heather Gay's text message. Because she says, oh, no. she says after. Oh no, she didn't. She threw her literally under the production bus. She, okay. she says after she got off the phone with Mr. New York calling to make sure she's okay. She looks at her phone and she has a text from Heather <laughs> saying no. the feds and all these people were here looking for you. They want to make sure you're okay. And so that's the moment when Jen Shaw was like, oh, the feds are looking for me. According according to Jen Shaw. According to Jen Shaw. According to Jen Shaw. First off, I literally cannot believe that she is participating in a behind the scenes where she has to now try to match whatever her lawyers are saying in their pretrial motions with her trying to make them sound like what she was experiencing at that time, which I would call questionable so that part is not a reveal to me because the bravo docket which is like a instagram account dedicated to bravo through the lens of two practicing attorneys had posted her pre-trial motions which i saw earlier in the day which include some of that information including the line and i'm just full-on quoting this from jennifer shaw's (laughs) uh shocking pre-trial motions which says ms shaw was at this point incredibly confused and emotionally off balance from a strange series of events and believed she might have been the victim of a false identification she repeatedly asked Detective Bastos for clarification, including, am I under arrest? And am I going to jail? Which were phrases she used interchangeably and thought of as the same thing. He, uh, and it includes, (laughs) this is another line item. Ms. Shaw was consumed with a desire to know why she had been placed in handcuffs and apparently arrested. The The language being used of this is so illustrative. I mean, I would love for her lawyer to go into like, I don't know, it feels like a romance consumed novel. Consumed like with desire. Wow. Consumed with desire. I mean, like my aunt is a writes romance novels. I want her to take a look at some of these pretrial motions as like inspo for future books. Like it's just, it's flower, it's flowering language. Well, flowering. and it's so, it matches up with, Jen's sort of attitude throughout this whole process that she has no idea where any of these charges are coming from because there couldn't possibly be anything, you know, unsavory about her business. And the thing is, I feel like most of the time when someone gets charged with something, if they really aren't guilty or like, I feel like usually... Either they're guilty or there is some sort of clear misunderstanding or there's something where it's like, no, technically this isn't illegal what I'm doing. You think it's illegal for this reason, but it's not actually. And so the fact that we know so much about Jen's shady business and she is still acting like she is so confused about how this whole thing is possibly happening to her. It's like, I don't really... Even if I believed that you were somehow not guilty, I don't really believe that you're completely in the dark about Surprised. why they might think you did something wrong. Well, she, the, this investigation had been going on for several years. They, She may not have been charged with anything at that point, but surely they knew that something was 
on the table or coming. And just one more note from number 18 from her pretrial motion. Detective Bastos drove Ms. Shaw to ICE headquarters and took her to a break room with a circular table and three chairs. He and an HSI, it's very important that you knew there were three chairs. He and an HSI agent, probably named in order of the number of seasons she's going to be on Salt Lake. He and an HSI agent handcuffed Ms. Shaw to one of the chairs and then joined her at the table. Detective Bastos read Ms. Shaw Miranda in italics warnings from a printed paper. He also handed her a copy to sign as she read along. Although she heard the words Detective Bastos read, Ms. Shaw's contact lenses, which were in her eyes, were dry. Oh, and yes. She did not have her reading glasses, so her vision was blurry and she was unable to read the paper in front of her. Even while being read her rights, she did not know what was going on and still thought it might be a potential misidentification. She was eager to find out what was going on, what Detective Bastos, quote, just wanted to talk to, end quote, her about, and why he, quote, wanted to... To make sure she was okay, end quote. She believed the only way she was fully, or rather finally, going to get an answer was to sign the paper and waive her rights. A lot to unpack. I want Jen Shaw to just read her pretrial warnings, and that is an after show after show that I will watch. I will, PK can do whatever he needs to do in his life. I would watch that as a first priority. I want... Yeah, I I will say I am <laughs> so much to unpack. I am extremely curious to see what happens next week when she is filming for the show post arrest, post ar- arraignment, I get maybe, I don't know. Um because obviously we saw, you know, last night that she got arrested. We all saw that in real time. But I I'm just so curious to see really how she goes about filming for this show after all of this stuff comes out. Because, I mean, obviously she's going to talk about it. We see her, like, meeting with an attorney. She's going to have to talk to the other women. And I, I mean, it's just so, it's, like, so fucked. Like, reading, like, hearing you read all of that and just thinking about the fact that this is somebody who we're going to watch like go to go to camp group dinners and you know oh, yeah, get glam true. and all of that stuff it's like what a what a like sociopath it's so weird it's so weird but also what a gift what this is in it, maybe she's not going to get community service but i feel like this should count she should get an hour a week for what she is going to do next week's episode I think, you know, as we saw for the trailer for the season, I think she's going to have that line of like, oh, can Kim Kardashian be on my, do I need to call Kim Kardashian to be my defense, which is obviously a highly scripted moment. The fact that she's thinking what iconic lines can I deliver in however much time I have remaining on this show. I mean, it's, uh, it's. It is literally unbelievable. Sarah. I cannot, I can't get over her being on the after show. I can't get over it. She would only get. I did not think. She would only get 43 minutes of community service. We're not giving her credit for commercials. That's true. 44 minutes plus commercials. You know what? (laughs) We all have to. It's uh, some of those commercials. I do feel like I'm serving a little bit of time when I'm waiting for like ad number five to finish. And sometimes it takes a little extra time to load. Um, I, it's, it's. 
it's actually unbelievable. And as you said earlier, you know, the question of is it top five of all time, I would say very quickly no, because when you think of Scary Island, like that's at least three, you know, like so then we have two left. Who are we going to pull from? I, I it's impossible to say that, but it is very, very um, likely and realistic that a lot of us were watching and just thinking this is remarkable that all of this was captured and that even in what was captured, which felt very real with the highest possible stakes, your cast member may be facing up to 30 years in federal prison. I mean, that's genuinely terrifying and disconcerting and uh, uh, surprising is not the appropriate word, but whatever heightened version of that. And then we have Meredith who took a bath who decided not to get out of the bath so that her cast members could also see that she was taking a bath. It was an interesting time to take a bath, noting that it wasn't even her room. She was taking a bath in Heather's room. I assume because her room did not have a bath, but yet a bath needed to be took, shall we say? So she went for it <laughs> to like, like the actual, like not only is she not, I, I, she is doing literally everything to show us nothing, but in doing so, doing everything. You know what she I'm is, saying? Like she is giving it's us, it's giving unbothered, but like very, very engaging. <laughs> okay, the, like I don't see any other way to put it, as that Meredith looked like she was celebrating. <laughs> like she. Wasn't she? She's in that bathtub with the bubbles, with the empty glass of champagne. And the whole time she's having that conversation with Mary, she has like a little bit of a smirk on her face. Like, it's... A little? <laughs> it is... I I just... It's so funny because she just is... She's kind of relishing it. And of course, you know, she's saying all of the, you know, the things she has to say. And, you know, on Twitter, she's saying she has a lot of compassion and all of this stuff. But it's like, oh, Meredith, <laughs> she is, she is loving this. She is, I can just picture her after she, you know, gets off the FaceTime with Lisa and the other women. I can just picture her like solo cheersing the air. Like, <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Um, I mean, she she's FaceTiming Brooksy and being like, being like, Brooksy, baby, you'll never guess. Jen's in the clank. There is an element of what Mary was saying, which was like, you reap what you sow. This person had been giving a lot of neg sending a lot of negative and toxic energy my way. And this is just the natural order of events karmically, which maybe she should keep in her back pocket for like what's going to happen next week. But um, <laughs> related to that, all of her responses, by the way, of like, can you believe in taking advantage of people? And yeah. blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this is so fucking meta on meta because we, as we all, the layers of things, the Bravo audience knows to watch for what is yet to come is unbelievable. The fact that we have Jen and then layered underneath that is the Mary reaction to Jen, knowing that we will then have a reaction from somebody relating to Mary is like psychotic. It's on, it's actually 
remarkable is the only way I can describe it. But the Mary of it all was so interesting because she vocally was saying, I'm coming through the lens of empathy just for the actual situation, which is somewhat horrifying, right? I don't think that's me overspeaking. And Meredith's reaction is like, not just this was so unsurprising. I assume something like this would happen, but also this is deserved. It's just, it's so interesting to understand or to try to understand Meredith's relationship with Jen and just how bad it had gotten through the lens of us not having a ton of information at that moment as we did at the end of the episode but just through the lens of her watching that reaction it's like the only way to understand how fucked that dynamic was which we knew was fucked but like this is very fucked well and I think at the going back just in terms of what we've seen on the show this season in the first couple of episodes obviously Meredith was saying that she was really upset with Jen about the about the Brooks comments and tweets and whatever. And Lisa was very invested in Meredith and Jen, you know, becoming friends again. And, you know, Meredith, I feel like maybe was sort of pressured both by Lisa and maybe by a little producer in the ear that she <clears throat> that she needed to be open to forgiving Jen to moving forward with Jen to hearing an apology from Jen, you know, based on what she did to her family. Um, And I like looking back on those episodes now, obviously Meredith wasn't like, you know, hallelujah, Jen apologized and like throwing her arms around her. But now it almost feels like I don't think she ever really had any interest in moving forward with Jen it seems like she kind of in the context of the show she knew she had to sit and listen to this apology and say thank you for the apology we'll we'll take it one step at a time but seeing this episode and how she was responding it's like I think Meredith Marks was done with Jen you know six months before they started filming she just kind of felt like she had to go through the motions of like yeah, if you want to apologize to me at ice fishing, you know, fine. But there's a big difference between like, listen, Jen's a piece of shit and made fun of my kid and, and whatever else. Jen sends a bad tweets. An associate of Jen's shoplifted from my boutique and she didn't even think to let this person go after they attempted to steal merchandise that I was thankfully able to recover there's a difference between like I don't like this person and I don't trust them and she's running a multi-year criminal conspiracy of many millions of dollars and yet we're not really seeing we're seeing Meredith connect that thread but I'm not totally understanding (laughs) like you can be a terrible person and not run this huge national your top tier co-conspirator conspirator level like fraud scheme that has the state of new york the southern district the fbi homeland security and a swat team involved like surely there's a middle ground there between like a mean tweet and a felony you know it's yet meredith doesn't seem to 
Meredith seems to be equating this is like, well, she can't be trusted because she sent some shitty DMs. So yeah. of course she's running a money laundering business in her free time. But it almost like, what? it makes me wonder if Meredith did sort of know any kind of details about Jen's business or even have an inkling. She had to. I feel like she had either she had decided or somebody had advised her, you know, who knows. Just wait on that, you know, don't you don't you don't want to be the one to sort of bring that conversation to the show, you know, mm-hmm. if they had any kind of inkling about the investigation, you know, just hang back. It's going to be a matter of time. You can fight with Jen if you want. You can, you know, pretend to be thinking about making up with her. But, like, I do think for Meredith's, you know, own kind of image, it probably was a. It probably was better for her not to be kind of the instigator here. And, I mean, imagine if anybody had shown up to, like, a dinner and been like, I heard that Jen's doing fraud like that would not have actually been well received because, of course, most of the women in the group would be like, what? No. Oh, my God, that can't be true. And if Jen got wind of it, it would have been, you know, nuclear weapons. But now that it's coming from the government, they can all talk about it freely because it's in the news. And nobody has even if Meredith is like, I knew about this. Nobody has to be the one who brought it up. Well, and yet, regardless of whether or not this is actually what happened, that is exactly the narrative that Jen is now going to be trying to push, which is you were talking about this or you maybe told the FBI and whatever happens as far as a timeline, you're somehow complicit in my undoing regardless of whether or not she knew anything or figured out anything or told anyone. And obviously... Lisa Barlow, as a physical instinct, thought, you know, Meredith may know something about this. We don't yet know if that was because of the shoplifting or because of maybe this private detective idea, as we've seen in the the teaser for next week or something else. But that is, in large part, the narrative that Jen is going to try to spin. I also think there's a chance. Again, I, I don't know this, but I, I feel like it could happen we might get a concrete answer later in this season of Meredith did not tip off the FBI and they're just kind of, of no, I know, I know. But like, I feel like they're kind of drawing it. Years in the making. They're kind of teasing it and drawing it out as, you know, like in that one, it was like an ET interview or something where they asked Meredith and she's like, I guess we'll have to wait and see. (laughs) Like she did her like (laughs) Meredith Mark's cackle. And like I, oh my god, love that. I think you know they're that. having a little fun being, especially Meredith, but like the show in general, being like, yeah, I don't know. You know, you have to be careful what you say about my family if you don't want to get reported to the FBI. <laughs> like, I don't think I think most of us feel like Meredith wasn't the reason Jen got arrested, and I feel like there is still a chance that that will be sort of case closed by the end of the season even if Jen is trying to be like Meredith fucked me yeah I mean obviously we know because we know that this has been going on for literal years not only the actual alleged crimes but just the investigation of it all and that surely Jen was aware that this was coming 
in some way. Not not when, but that it was coming. That there were like numerous other people involved on some level in Jen's scam that had already been charged, even convicted some of them. So that it's like, even if Jen, you know, even if Jen wasn't the starting point for the investigation, neither was Meredith. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Meredith wasn't like, hey, FBI, I don't know if you've heard, but there might be a fraud thing. It's like, no, like, they were just waiting to, you know, they were pulling on the string and then they finally got to the top, to the end of the rope, you know, whatever. I mean, speaking of pulling the string, the last fucking three minutes of the episode, whatever it was, there's an Uber. She was getting out at a secret location, which happened to be an intersection. Maybe she was stooping someone. Maybe it was like a business thing. There was that reveal. She was redlined at Louis Vuitton. She was giving, she was paying for too much stuff in cash, which having worked in retail at Saks where it's like, that's a real thing. And it's very frustrating for people on commission because there were people, there was a list of people we weren't allowed to sell to. And I was like, if they are giving me government money, I don't see a problem here. I need my nine and a half percent. If they're like doing, the moment, if they're doing white collar crime on their own time, why should that affect? That's, why should that everyone affect? Everyone needs a hobby. Why should that affect me selling them a handbag? And buying Jimmy Choo's on my lunch break that the store then loses, um, not to be specific. Um, there's the LV stuff. I mean, there's the store of it all and the actual fact that, you know, as Meredith clarified, it's not that Jen herself was stealing, but that she was employing those who did. And the question of, like, how cute was the clutch was iconic. The fact that Lisa Barlow was like, I had three. Are you kidding? Like, this is the kind of color commentary that I thrive on. I mean, it was fascinating. It was just shocking. There was just a lot of fucking shit going on. That dinner, yeah, it did have a lot of stuff going on because you you can tell it's sort of, you know, one domino of somebody saying, oh yeah, I guess Jen did do something shady. Then all of a sudden, you know, Heather has a domino to add and Meredith has mm-hmm. five more dominoes to add. And Lisa's like, oh yeah, the, the Louis Vuitton thing is bad. Um, I, yeah, I don't, it, it's both predictable and also a sort of maddening to see that Jen's reaction on social media to this episode has just been to say basically everything everyone said the whole time is all just lies Because I think, actually, while I don't have any kind of notion of, oh, but maybe Jen is, like, somewhere between the truth or whatever, I think if she was taking a more even-keeled approach to responding to specific things, it would maybe be a little more believable. If she was saying, okay, like, you know, I'm going to own this thing or this thing that they said. Yeah, it was weird. I know, like, some weird shit was happening. I was going through it. I don't know. Like, I feel like there are things she could say that would make her a little more sympathetic of a figure, even if you still think that she is guilty and wrong and should go to prison. Like, she could kind of present herself in a little more of a human light. But the way that she's just kind of, you know, doing her thing of retweeting all the fans on Twitter who are like, Queen Jen, all these women are haters. And, you know, it just is like, even if I wanted, even if I was in the mood to believe something that Jen was saying, I'm not going to believe that every possible story these women have is a lie. 
that's just not plausible. You know, like. <laughs> I do. I mean, it's just it's like when yeah, wild. Yeah. <laughs> It's playing, they're doing, it's like Erica, they're running a relay and Erica Jane passed her the fucking relay baton thing or whatever. And Jen just started to twirl. Jen like stopped running and decided to start fucking twirl. Like, like it's fascinating. Did you see Marillo, the Jen's assistant's um, explanation post of what happened with the um, no, tell me. The, a current employee, former. The one, no, not the not the dress one that she yelled at. The one who not Koa, not yeah. Koa. The one, it's the one who I think was on camera, allegedly stealing, stealing the, purse. the purse. Um, okay, borrowing the, it for a night. Love that. This Love is that his. It, <clears throat> rent the runway is a very sick. Maybe he was starting his own. Rent the rent the clutch. This is. Um, Minus the rental. His Instagram story from today. I didn't, which Jen reposted, of course. I didn't want to let it get to this, but here we are. I'd like to address a false accusation made last night by one of the cast members of RHOSLC. Wait, start, stop for one second. One of the cast members, because they are not going to deign to say Meredith Marks's name out loud, is an iconic, iconic move. It's very um, dramatic and I love it. Okay, keep going. The footage she brought up is twisted and chopped. First of all, no one stealing a bag from somewhere would hold it in their hand, flaunting it like they tried to make it seem. If if you looked at what they circled closely, you will see that whatever I'm holding is not green. Sure, fine. <laughs> Here we Wasn't it a black and white security camera? This is where it gets Wasn't it color? This is where it gets good. Okay, keep going. That keep green going. clutch was inside the bag wrapped in paper. When the manager reached out, I was confused because Janet had only looked at white ones. So I looked inside the bag and found the green clutch. I said I could bring it by if she was still there, but said I could just bring it the next day, like I did. There was no hesitation, just confusion on our part on how that happened. I'm sorry, the denial of stealing something being, it just ended up in my bag is not that convincing because basically, I mean, basically what he's saying is, yeah, it happened, but it was a misunderstanding versus like, I didn't take, like you, you left the store with something in your bag that you didn't pay for. I don't know. I mean, maybe his contacts were dry because as we know, sometimes when your contacts are dry, you start multi-year long fraudulent you know, scams to, like, get Christmas money from Grandpa. Like, I don't I, I don't know what to say there, except that, yeah, as you said, they left with something that wasn't theirs. It was not offered to them, seemingly, by the manager, and they returned it the next day. They didn't try to buy it. It wasn't they like... They don't just put, like, an $800 were... clutch on in the bag on accident, like... <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's just a wild... Here's the thing that I can't stop thinking about. If we're going to be, if we're going to keep it 100, which you know you and I do. What I can't stop thinking about is Meredith giving this reveal about whatever clutch, whatever bag it is, which I believe, I believe what happened happened. And maybe there was some miscommunication from this guy. And that's why Jen continued to keep him hired because he had a plausible deniability, whatever, blah, blah, blah. 
Meredith is focusing on this because it's her company, her business. This is someone who had been attacking her and her family and whatever else. And obviously, if it had happened in my store and this is someone I was filming with, I would feel a certain way. And then we see the scenes for next week, which include Lisa Barlow telling Meredith that this cousin of Mary's or whomever he is. Is he a cousin? Did I make that up? I don't. I don't know. I don't remember. But this person who is a congregant, maybe that's what I'm thinking, a congregant of Mary's, gave her $300,000. And the look in Meredith's eye, which is confusion mixed with repulsion, and I think some of that repulsion is this her being now involved in this and it being discussed on camera. And I'm thinking about the clutch story it's just like, you know how we all have different sides? We're watching all of Meredith's in, like the next, in these two hours of, of episodes. It's fascinating to watch her go from, I have a reveal and this is going to characterize a lot and the color commentary to like, I don't want to know any of this and don't involve me in any of it. And it's to me a much bigger deal than a clutch. Look, it's a $300,000 clutch. I have always been a Meredith Marks fan on this show. Die for but her. Die I, for her. I feel like some people, I recall after the reunion, especially last year, were a little frustrated with her and were like, you know, not engaging, can't be your personality as a house. You know, you have to give us something. She, they said she wasn't. E- Was that me? Are you saying no, 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 not not you. I this I, it might have been me. I might have been saying maybe. That. I mean, I don't this was a sentiment okay. that was around, <laughs> and some people were, okay. you know, critical of Meredith as a housewife for her kind of I'm disengaging attitude, and I think mm. say what you will about Meredith Marks, you don't have to love her, but this season she is, she's giving. She's giving us what we need. She's giving us a lot of material. I think she has Mm -hmm. found a good balance between her kind of attitude of like, I don't want the bullshit, but at the same time engaging. (laughs) Like, I think she has, I think she's just having such a great season. And I just, I think she is so fascinating as a person and is just like, uh, so every time she's on camera, I feel like I'm just, it's a rich text to to draw from. And honestly, this cast is full of people like that. I think Mary mm-hmm. is the same way that Mary drives me nuts. But every single time that she is like active and participating in an episode, I feel like there is so much to talk about. And I just, I don't know. I think this cast really is just so strong And now that we're kind of into the peak moments of this season with all of this Jen Shaw drama, I just feel, I feel lucky that we get to watch these women do, you know, do this. I mean, I think that Meredith's energy is intoxicating. Like, I cannot get enough of it. Even in these moments with, like, the scene with Lisa Barlow that I think is not going to go 
well for Meredith maybe or or maybe it will and it's just her in this like gut reaction of like I don't want to know maybe it's the gut reaction of I don't want to know this because it's so dark it's like so dark and so sad that I don't want to know this or maybe discuss it on camera I don't know the the or maybe she's trying to figure out a way to deflect it on behalf of Mary's defense I I don't know why but all I know is it is intoxicating and she is making money moves like she the bath thing iconic the at least the house is gorgeous iconic the cut of the edit which was in no way helpful to her of the call ending and her just like fucking standing there iconic knowing that she is watching this episode probably nodding smoking a cig drinking a martini dead still doing her thing iconic I, I just cannot get enough of this. Love you, baby. And <laughs> I mean, like, when it comes to, like, does she have empathy for the situation? There is an element of who cares because, you know, Heather's caring enough for a lot, several people's, wor- several crimes worth of empathy. She's feeling a lot of things. Obviously, Lisa is also feeling some stuff and Whitney is smart. So, like, there's a lot that's going on that's either new information or surprising or filling those requirements and then there's Meredith who's in like I don't know a black and white noir film from the 20s there's something where she's playing like glam Hollywood starlet or like diva Glenn Close is going to play her in the musical adaptation of this season of Salt Lake City and like she will win finally an Oscar for it it's just iconic behavior it's iconic and it's classic and I love it I can't get enough wow yeah I now we're thinking about it now we're thinking about it I feel like Rachel Vice. I mean, like, what's Meredith the Sunset Marks. Boulevard? Oh yeah, Rachel Vice would be a great Meredith. Rachel Vice would be a great Meredith Marks. The only thing though is that like Rachel Vice, can she play camp in that way? I would like to see her given the opportunity. You know, I I would like to see. I would, I would let. I do want to see that. It is Rachel Vice considered a gay icon in any way? You know, I don't really feel like she is. And maybe that's not fair. Maybe she should be. You know, she was in um she was in the the lesbian Jewish movie with Rachel McAdams. Um she was in the favorite, famously, you know, a a little bit of a, a queer oh, phenomenal. A little uh, you know, some queerness going on there. Um she's married to Daniel Craig. That's fun. Um She's an Oscar winner, but I don't know that I feel Rachel Vice really is in that. I I I adore her, but I don't know that she is, um, you know, held in that uh, sense by the the gays. I really need to see like a Glenn Close esque energy there. I really think that that is necessary. I don't know that anyone else would need to be played. I think that they could use a cardboard cutout for all the other characters and then you have a human person. Every once in a while there'll be like a Twitter prompt that's like if you could replace um you know keep one housewife and the rest of the cast as muppets. <laughs> like... <laughs> and I said 
I said I want Mary Cosby and the rest of the cast as Muppets um, because she would just not know what was going on. Or she would just keep talking and she not even not notice. She would not change in any way. She wouldn't She notice. would not change in any way. And I love that. It's probably one of the greatest She's like, why are you looking at me? Why are you looking at me like that? Why is your mouth so wide? <laughs> Mary Cosby talking to Robert Sr. and just hearing them communicate in a way where there's like, Maybe not grudging respect, but I guess just literal communication was kind of nice to see where I'm like, oh, you're calling your husband because your cast member got arrested for like many numerous felonies and you're trying to figure it out. Like, that's kind of nice considering what else we've heard. I had basically the same thought. First of all, Robert Sr., who is labeled dad in her phone, um, which I heard from many people about who are like, this is very normal because no. I posted an Instagram story. Very normal in certain segments of whatever generational yada yada that some parents do have their spouses as or the kid put it. I've heard you don't need to sign into my DMs. I've got so many messages from people about this. Sure. Um, but yes, I also freaked out. I but I uh, <laughs> no, I felt the same way when she I had like I wasn't paying attention like, right at the beginning of that scene, which I have since watched again. But, like, so I missed that they said, you know, Robert Sr. Mary's husband. And for a second, I was like, who's she talking? Like, is she talking to her husband? Like, it sounded so normal. Like, I feel like mm. we've we've seen them have so few interactions on the show. And when they do, it always feels like it's this, like, stunted thing of, like, Mary's uncomfortable in her own home around her husband or, like, Mm -hmm. last season when she would be, like, barking orders at Charlinda, who I... Sadly, we we don't... Mm. Where did she go? Where where has Charlinda gone? Um, But, yeah, I mean, it is strange to see them almost in, like, a normal light even though it was yeah you know i don't know it just is mary is just such an enigma in so many ways and i i want to get to the bottom of it but at the same time i don't know that that's ever even going to be possible salt lake city is such an interesting cast it's such an interesting franchise because there are personalities on this that like wouldn't work on maybe any other franchise or possibly any other reality TV show that sort of work on this one. And when they don't work, it's even more fascinating to try to unpack. It's it's a rare thing what they have found or cast or whatever in SLC. And I just am going to treasure, I think, each remaining episode of this season because it's just... Why it's almost absurd what we're watching play out. It's it's genuinely wild, and yet at least we don't have to have multi-hour arguments over so and so is under suspicion for stealing all this money. How dare you ask a lawyer about what's going on? You know, like Lisa Barlow is calling six over the course of twenty minutes or several hours. And the only question people have is like, why do you have so many lawyers? Not why are you asking these questions? Yeah, I do appreciate that in this situation, we can kind of cut through the the pretending that you shouldn't be concerned about this. It's like, no, no, you have federal charges, felonies, like (laughs) 
we're all on the same page about this being serious. And the question is, how do we move forward versus on Beverly Hills? So much time was devoted to. Why are you even talking about this? Why aren't you just being my friend? Like, why are we even having a conversation? It's like, because this is interesting, because this is like juicy. Wild. Yeah. Can can I ask you a question sort of relating to that, but not? The security footage or whatever that footage was that shows this actually awful moment of armed with like fucking machine guns or something. I don't know how guns work, but like big guns, big, crazy, scary guns, people going in to execute a search of Jen's house and them leading out her son and nephew who are minor children. It's very scary. And I can't imagine being in their place, but who approved the footage for use in this episode? Wasn't that Jen's security footage from her house like or was it a camera for unclear to me i need to go back and watch that because i feel like that's i i don't know but i i Mm. did feel a little weird watching that and honestly like i felt like it sort of pulled us out of the meat Mm -hmm. of the episode that it was like we were sort of immersed in this journey to Vale and you know what was happening on the bus and what was happening in the bail house and it was like I don't actually need a lot of extra stuff obviously seeing the you know the footage of Jen being walked out of the courthouse I think was relevant to include but mm-hmm. it's like I don't we can get back to Jen's storyline next week like let's focus on everybody else and so that was kind of like it was both I think unnecessary and a little you know un unnecessary in the other way of like we don't we shouldn't be seeing this yeah and also just very sad very sad for like the kids involved which I'm sure is one of the reasons why as these women themselves said why they were so upset to the point of just um not hysterical tears but just uh, very upset to the point of crying when they heard about the reality of these charges because they were thinking of her family And it's just really sad when you think of the cost of this, you know, through the lens of her children and Coach Shaw, who's hopefully physically doing well. My God. How does that make sense? If Jen is saying that the call was unrelated, so is she staying? Are we sticking by the fact that Coach Shaw had internal bleeding? That was actually... Is that what we're saying now? How does that make sense? So I don't know if she addressed that. I didn't see the full after show, just the clip that I was describing. And that was actually my mm-hmm. biggest question after watching that was like, okay, so then who was calling her and were they? what were they telling her? Because obviously what obviously the, the point of that phone call was get out. <laughs> so like, did the person on the other end of the line, even if they didn't tell her... The feds are coming. What did they say to her that made her be like, okay, fuck, I have to go now, take my microphone off? Because, you know, to there aren't that many things that I would think would make her, like, immediately drop everything and leave this work event. So, <laughs> you know. 
Yeah, and it doesn't. I'm looking through some of her pretrial motions. It doesn't discuss uh, what actually happened during filming on the bus, but she does answer the phone in such a way that suggests it was Coach Shaw. She says like, "Hey, sweetie," or "Hey, honey," and she uses a term of affection and a term of endearment that I was thinking in my head because like her one of her relatives picked her up, so I'm like. Could she have used that with that relative? No, it, it sounds like something she would have gotten from Coach Shaw. I really genuinely tried to play this out in my head. I'm like, I don't know how she's going to. I, it, The lies feel so specific and yet generalized that it does not help her, I say as her attorney, like, what the fuck? I can truly go fuck myself. Like, it does not help her to continue uh, – although maybe this isn't just going against myself, I guess – if if it had been Coach Shaw saying get out of there, she's not saying that that didn't happen. What she's saying is that wasn't the first notice that something was going on that she found confusing, I guess is what she's saying. She's not saying she, – what she's saying is that wasn't the first time that I had heard I guess something is coming. So she's not defending or protesting that maybe – that what she had been told was to get the fuck out of there. What she's saying is that wasn't the first time she'd heard about it and she didn't know she didn't know the specifics, but she knew that something was up because someone had called her. Well, yeah, I guess I that guess? there's that there's a difference between saying get out of there, I can't tell you why, but get out and right. saying get out of there because the feds are coming in five minutes, you know. I think, and this is the first time you've heard of it. I think she's right. kind of keeping some sort of like plausible deniability, whether it's for herself or for whoever mm-hmm. was on the other end of that phone call, that it's like, oh, no, they didn't tip me off that the feds were on their way. They just said I needed to leave. And it's like, okay, well, um, <laughs> okay, okay, sure. I cannot believe... I just can't I honestly am really looking forward to next week because I think that Lisa Meredith scene and the tension between the two of them of Meredith being like do not involve me in this and Lisa being like I'm involving you my good friend is going to be fascinating I think trying to understand and unpack the Lisa and Meredith relationship as it is is going to be interesting and also isn't it so interesting that the person that Jack because remember the guest list for that event was not Lisa. That was only Jack. Jack was the only person who was responsible for writing it. And it not it interesting that the two people that Jack thought should be invited to this event were Meredith and Whitney, the people that had come to and had such a wonderful experience at Mary's church. So interesting that those were the people that were definitely invited to that hair care charity product launch event. It was, it was hilarious to me how um, Lisa very specifically didn't take credit for not inviting Jen, but she actually <laughs> did take credit for the reason Whitney was, was invited. She's like, she's like, well, no, 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 Jack made the guest list. And then he's like, why was Whitney there? It's like, well, she's doing this charity thing. It's like, okay, so like, did you, did you do the guest list? <laughs> no, Lisa, like who, uh, who had their fingers in the pot? Like, <laughs> I I mean, my God, Salt Lake City is giving us so much in so many ways that I did not even think about. And yet here I am reflecting on it. And am I going to watch this episode a third time? Probably. Probably probably going to do that. Am I going to do that in the next 24 hours? Entirely possible. I've watched it like one and change times. So I definitely feel like another another watch is in order for me. 
Um, speaking of watches, in the waning minutes of this episode, Potomac happened. Yeah. Thoughts? Um, I liked part two better than part one. Um, I would say both parts so far, I feel, have been watch perfectly watchable and enjoyable, but not especially notable. Mm. Um... In that I don't think I uh, maybe the first like half of part one I was kind of bored. Last uh, this week's part I enjoyed. I thought it was a, a good episode. I think Candace is just an endlessly uh, frustrating, fascinating, but watchable um, mess. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. you know it's gonna be. I I think. I feel pretty confident that everyone in this cast will be brought back for next season. I don't really envision... Including Mia. I think so. But definitely not including Mia. Definitely. Um, So it's... Yeah. With that in mind and assuming that that is what's happening, i.e. assuming that Candace is coming back, I think it's really intriguing to watch her sort of so boldly not take accountability for anything at this reunion because I think her sort of chances, free passes, whatever, might be kind of running out, wearing thin a little bit with some of the women in this cast. I mean, she has been mostly on pretty good terms with Giselle and Robin this season. Um, And I guess Karen too, but I think at a certain point, clearly every woman in this group sees Candace as a person who is not really, I don't even Mature. know what the right word is, who like can't get it together in terms of how she deals with conflict, how she, you know, handles herself in situations with others. And I think, you know, it's hard. She's a little bit of a, she's a little bit of a loose cannon. And we've always known that. But I think last season with Monique, it was such a specific explosive event Mm -hmm. that it was maybe a little easier to compartmentalize that it's like this is Candace Candace and Monique is like this entity of drama and this Mm -hmm. season I mean there was nothing as explosive as that but Candace is still a fucking nightmare like I loved Mia or Wendy saying your gutter is everyone else's hell I thought that was like such a such a good thing because I think Candace's sort of defense of everything that she does just being that she is three steps above all the other women and they just can't handle it. Mm-hmm. That I think is like such a bad road to go down because you're just like digging your heels in about stuff that is objectively not cool. And so I think that defense and that sort of attitude about her place in the cast and how she handles these women is not going to serve her well longer term yeah i mean she's i don't know here for a good time and maybe not for a long time in the sense that she's saying she's the best at the body shaming and that her cruelty is equal to another person's potential comedy like she's not she is attempting to equate what is entirely mean-spirited with jabs that Giselle and Karen take at each other that when compared are sort of incomparable in the sense that like 
as they both said very loudly and as everyone else but Dr. Wendy said, it's not the same thing to be as absurdly cruel as it is for these two people with a very long relationship to maybe jab at each other, which isn't to say that everything that they do is a jab, but there is a difference between wearing a T-shirt that says tax reform to a press conference style meetup at a cast event versus body shaming a new mother and then saying, I feel uh, I would do it again, essentially. It's like there is a very large in between here. And the difference is I think Giselle, while probably also saying a joke, would also be like, yeah, was that mean spirited? Do I regret that? Maybe with the um, stuff about Karen's husband, with stuff about Ray, I think that she would say like, I maybe went too far versus Candace, who will say with every last breath that she takes not only did I not go too far I'm better at going too far than all of you you just can't catch up right the women are like we don't want to I'm better at going too far and that makes me better than you period like it's not just that oh my insults are better it's like my insults are better and that is a good thing whereas I think some people might say okay yeah maybe your insults are like more cutting but that's not actually a good goal um I yeah it's it's weird and I think she's projecting herself into a lot of situations that she wasn't there for obviously she's watched the show um you know all of these seasons and so she's kind of she's talking about when Robin went into Oz and was kind of getting crazy with Ashley and she's talking about things that Karen and Giselle have said to each other and other body shaming comments that people in the cast have made which I mean, that's totally valid. She is not the only person on this show that has said body shaming things. And, you know, none of that should be, you know, praised. But it's like, I think it's a strange strategy on a show like this to sort of bring up examples of situations that you weren't involved in as reasons why your behavior isn't too crazy or isn't too over the top. It's like, maybe... Maybe the situation with Karen and Giselle is something that you just don't really have the right perspective on. Like, it's like these two women have a complicated relationship. And just because in your mind, the things that they've said to each other are, you know, on this level, if they have a relationship with each other where they can do that and get over it, then that's their thing. And if somebody is saying to you, I was really hurt by what you said to me, the response isn't, but Karen said this thing to Giselle and you're not coming for her. It's like, yeah, cause that's their business. Yeah. And I also think I totally agree with you. And I also think saying that Michael Darby calling Chris Bassett white trash is the same thing as calling and referencing Ashley as a slave is so incredibly problematic. It's wild. And it's so unfortunate. It's wild. And it and they kept trying to give her an out. The only person who was defending or trying to rewrite or, or shift the narrative without actually holding her friend accountable was Dr. Wendy. Everybody else on that stage for the benefit of Candace was trying to help her in saying, just take accountability for something. Even in the break, Giselle was like, why can't you just just do this? It will help you. We're trying to help you. You, you need to be able to take responsibility for it. It doesn't mean that 
you didn't have a right to be upset or excuses behavior. It doesn't mean that it takes away or removes a really difficult history that you have with Ashley. It just means like, just I regret saying this. The problem is you you can't force someone to feel regret over something they're proud of. And that's just, that's the breakdown. And I heard from an AG, I'm sorry I, uh, that I didn't, um, that I don't have the actual verbiage here. Um, but I heard from an AG who was like, I was disappointed that the women seemed to let her get away with it. And my answer was like, honestly, I would have behaved exactly as they were. At a certain point, it's exhausting. You cannot force someone to feel bad if they are refusing to right they try these these people and andy tried repeatedly her cast the people on stage this isn't an audience thing this isn't a content creator thing the people literally filming with her said repeatedly that they did not appreciate and thought she went too far and was too mean-spirited and she was given every opportunity to hear them and she refused to so like at a certain point, we should just listen to that. It's not, yeah. we cannot make her into something that she is not. Like, you just, at a certain point, it's exhausting. Famously, you, you can you lead a horse, it. you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make the horse drink. I mean, <laughs> nay, nay. I, yeah, nay. no, I mean, I think Candace has been given plenty of grace in her, you know, relationships with these women. And I think, yeah, it's, it's at a point where it's like, we, you know, when somebody shows you who you who they are, believe them. And I think right, Candace amen. is a really compelling housewife. And I don't think I'm not like Candace sucks, fire her. But I'm like Candace isn't somebody who is like maybe an amazing person. And so, hoping for amazing person behavior out of her is futile. And I, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> And also it's like relatively futile aside from having a platform in which to like inform people about the potential harm of like body shaming. At a certain point, it's like there's not really a lot else to say about it. And it's exhausting talking about. So like I would love for her to show us different sides of her shitty behavior that didn't always end in saying telling someone that their body wasn't worthy because like there's so many other interesting ways to be a bad terrible person and my hope for Candace is that when she's back next season which I hope she is that we get to see those other sides of her being a shitty person so that I don't have to constantly yeah Candace have to talk about this. Candace if you're gonna stay be shitty better. if you're gonna stay shitty please some new material diversify <laughs> Ash- honestly diversify your bad shitty portfolio we've heard about Ashley's forehead <laughs> I mean, for real, let's, and also P.S., speaking of Ashley, is Michael not on that stage? It's every, every spouse or partner but That's him. what it looks like to me. How did, not that I'm complaining about a dearth of Michael Darby, but how did he get out of that? I'm sure he was, you know, on a film set somewhere, busy producing. <laughs> I actually, oh I think God, he's, Oh my God, awkward. Um, I think he's probably, um... They're doing a new Scorsese movie in Oklahoma. He's probably involved with that. Mm. Or, you know, I'm sure Marvel is shooting something down in Atlanta. You know, he has a lot of stuff on the books, I'm sure. Um, Mm -hmm. I just assume. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but um, I assume. So, 
I mean, I'm sure Randall Emmett is in great search of a financier, so maybe they could partner with each other. That's the true. And, and Darby show. And according to Randall Emmett's attorney, he has not left Los Angeles County since he and Lala split up. So Michael is probably in LA um, working with Randall currently. So, Well, I can't wait to see the projects that they work on together. I mean, chef's kiss. And by chef, I mean Chris Bassett. So let's just trio this shit out. Um, Dylan Hafer, I could talk to you about Housewives all day, <laughs> as you know. Can you please tell the AGs, the folks, how to follow you on social and a little bit about your two, yes, two podcasts <laughs> that they should listen to wherever they listen to their favorite podcasts like Andy's Girls? God, being someone with two podcasts, where what did I, what did I do in my life? Um, yeah, so you can follow me at Dylan Hafer on Instagram and my account that I run is at Bravo by Betches, which is lots of fun, all Bravo stuff all the time. Um, I host a Bravo podcast for Betches called Mention It All. It is three times a week, all your recaps, news, whatever, uh, wherever you listen. And then I also host Pop Alarm, which is a daily five-minute podcast bringing you all of your pop culture and entertainment news updates in a you know quick little quick little bite-sized format so yeah that's that's all the good stuff that's all the places amazing and guys while you're going to places and doing fun things and subscribing Mm -hmm. to those podcasts give uh, ag a five-star review if you have a moment make sure to subscribe and on the andy's girls patreon crazy things happening put up a one hour satchel spectacular where i also live reacted to the orange county trailer which i have been told is technically something uh, that exists in the world. So um, if you go to patreon.com slash Andy's girls, the number one way to support the pod, you can listen to that one hour new exclusive to Patreon bonus episode. Woo. And also SAS giving the Patreon zoom Kiki, which is a one hour shoot the shit with yours truly. And your fellow Patreon AGs is this weekend, this coming weekend, November 20th at 6 PM Eastern. Eastern Standard Time, and that's exclusive to Patreon AGs at the OG of the AG and people's people's couch levels. So make sure to sign up and level up and you will get sent the Zoom info in your Patreon DMs, um, which I already sent out. And it's going to be quite a fabulous tour de force style uh, Zoom event, um, which I'm really excited about on November 20th. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. Nothing left to say except can't wait for you to come back to the People's People's Couch, Dylan Hafer, one of my favorite um, co-hosts to shoot the shit with. No one else I would rather thank talk you, thank to you. about this iconic week in housewifery and also Potomac. Just kidding. <laughs> then. <laughs> Um, Guys, I hope you are all staying safe, staying sane, getting vaccinated if you can. And we will talk to you soon. Pray for PK. Oh, my God. Hashtag he's still alive. At the end of this recording, we are truly blessed. Uh, We'll talk to you soon, guys. Bye-bye.